Okay, and then the last thing I wanted to quickly note on is um, spiritual warfare. If you had, I, who did I send it out to? I, I sent it out to my family. I want to send this link out on the legacy group also. Listen to a great podcast from Apologia about UFOs and aliens and demons and all this stuff going, because it's been in the news. I don't know if you've followed it, but like we've actually had people just over the last couple weeks testifying in Congress about UFO stuff. So this is very current and the folks from Apology were making a great point saying we can't as Christians just be like, nah, that's silly and dismiss it. You actually have eyewitnesses. You actually have evidence for some of this stuff and we have to, as Christians, what do you say? You don't just say, eh, I don't believe in that, that's hokey. Well, okay, that's not an answer. That's not a reasoned response. What is the Christian world you have to offer in response to that? Now, I'm not going to go in as much detail as I'd like to. We can do that over lunch. I'm um, trying to be mindful of the the thoughts that I put in small minds um, when it comes to this sort of thing. But just a couple of takeaways, things that I was thinking about. When it comes to spiritual warfare, first of all, the reminder that spiritual warfare is real and present and it's really easy to get stuck in a world that i can knock my hand on a world that i can see constant you know it's all real quote unquote in the physical material sense and lose sight of the fact that as christians we don't believe that the real world is all that there is we believe that the supernatural world the immaterial world is actually just as real or perhaps even more real i don't know you can parse that argument out however you want but the immaterial world is just as real as the physical world Okay, there is a real spiritual warfare that goes on, and I have not studied angelology and demonology enough to launch into that, but we know that that's real. That's something that actually goes on. We see that in scripture. We see that in the experiences of brothers and sisters who would testify. I'll tell you about one of Jeff Durbin's over lunch that was from that podcast. Um, Very intense stuff. So what is that as, as Christians? Number one, we acknowledge the reality of the spiritual realm. Number two, we acknowledge the victory of Christ over the spiritual realm. He's the king. Even the verse that we started the day off with, take courage, I have overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome the world. And there is power in his name. And I was meditating on that. I'd invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 19. When we say there's power in the name of Jesus, what do we mean? It's classic lore in Western society that what do you do if there's a vampire? What, what scares away a vampire? There's either garlic, they're driving a stake through his heart, or there's having a crucifix, right? You wave the crucifix in his face and he runs away. That's hokey. That's fake. That doesn't work. The demons are not afraid of two beams of wood shaped like a lowercase t. They don't care. You see the same thing when it comes to the name of Jesus. And this is important because you have groups like you've got the Hebrew Roots Movement that says Jesus' proper name is Yeshua. And that's the only way we can talk about God. We have to use the Hebrew form of the word. I want to think about the implications of this story from Acts 19 verse 11. God was performing 
extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. But also, some of the Jewish exorcists, who went from place to place, attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches." Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. There's another principle to take away right there. We are not equipped to take on the spiritual realm. We have no idea the kind of power that is represented there. The miracle of the gospel in God transforming us into glorified beings who judge the angels is amazing. One of the reasons of that, why it's amazing, is because without that transformation, we would be way out of our league. Way out of our league. This guy did not overpower the seven sons of Sceva because he knew jujitsu. He overpowered the seven sons of Sceva because without the power of Christ, it doesn't matter how many people you have, we're no match for the demonic realm. But the other thing I want to really note here is that the seven sons of Sceva used the right name. They called on the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. This is the correct Jesus. So what's the point? The point is, This is not some sort of audio chemical reaction. It's not like the demons can't handle the the wavelengths of the word Jesus. It's not in the sound. When we say there's power in the name of Jesus, it's not a sequence of noises. When we talk about the name of Jesus, we talk about the person of Jesus. It is who he is. That causes the demons to tremble. Which means that this whole debate about how to pronounce his name is completely beside the point. Now, it would be irreverent to say, okay, so that means I can call Jesus some, you know, Bob. No, that's not reverent. That's not, that's, that's silly. Don't get distracted by an argument like that. We know that's not what we're talking about. But the point is, we respectfully accept the name that God has given us, revealed himself to us by... And then we don't nitpick over the translation. Some guy down in Mexico is being oppressed by a demon and he calls on the name of Jesus. The demon is not going to giggle because he pronounced it wrong. Okay. So think of this. The example that comes to my mind is I've got a, I've got a toddler, a baby son, and he pronounces daddy pretty well. But let's say that he pronounced, let's say he called me Gabby. Okay, because he's a baby and his brain doesn't, you know, babies are babies. So if he calls me Gabby, if somebody is trying to hurt him and he calls out for Gabby, am I going to say, you pronounced it wrong, bud? (laughs) No. No, somebody's about to get hurt. And I don't care how he pronounced my name. I'm going to come help my baby. We put all too much stock in our ability to call on God correctly and far too little stock on the fact that he loves us. He is our father. And if we come to him by faith, pronunciation is not the point. It's not about syllables. It's about a relationship. 
And so the seven sons of Sceva can say whatever they want to say, but they have no relationship with Christ. And because they have no relationship with Christ, the syllables are powerless. But the person who has a relationship with Jesus, who knows the true Jesus of Scripture, and who is known by, even more importantly, the true Jesus of Scripture, when he calls out to Christ, regardless of his pronunciation, all the powers of hell tremble. Because Daddy's coming. And that's the God we serve.